You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. This is Patrick Martin. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. Mark, Patrick, Caitlin, hello. We're back. It's happy we have the country hour. covered. We have the country covered this week. Mark, you're coming to us from the land of the people, Brooklyn, New York. Live from Park Slope. These are our people, Howard. Caitlin from Palm Beach, sort of. Florida, Florida. But but Palm, South Florida last weekend. Caitlin's here reporting from Florida, per usual. And Patrick, you're just back from the other coast. You got nice. Naples covered. I survived. Uh, it, it was a strange place, beautiful weather, but I'm happy to be back uh, in the Midwest. So we have Bethesda, Brooklyn. We have Bethesda, Brooklyn, Palm Beach, and Naples covered. You know when Bethesda is the most normal place of the four that something's wrong. Um, You're still in the Beltway, Howard. It's still it's still not real there. You. I am technically inside the Beltway. Yeah, the geography's tilting blue, though. We we got to be fair to Caitlin because with Brooklyn, Bethesda, Palm Beach, Chicago, it's tilting blue. Okay, well, interesting week. We have the uh, demise of Liz Cheney, one of the House Republican leaders, seemingly on the horizon, Caitlin. Um, tell us, tell us the latest, Caitlin, you got back from a, uh, house Republican or a Republican congressional retreat, um, last week. So tell us, tell us what you're hearing, bring us up to speed. Well, it's been a very, uh, busy news week for a recess week. It seems like all of Republican Washington has been in Florida for the past two weeks, frankly, between the. House Republican retreat that was down in Orlando the early part of last week, um, and then ending with 82 uh, members down in Key Biscayne for um, for a, a, a retreat. And you know the the pressure was building. I think you started to see during the House retreat last week there was a lot of frustration um, with Cheney. You know, not being able to. Um, kind of help pivot forward and, and continuing to talk about Trump, continuing to focus on Trump. And that really culminated in, you know, by today, Friday, the end of this week, it looks like we've got a vote on next Wednesday morning in the House um, conference. And it looks like we might be um, saying goodbye to Cheney and hello to Elise Stefanik. Um, I think, you know, I, I heard last weekend there was a lot of frustration because, how can we have, how can the Republican Party have the leader of their messaging operation be so off message from where the rest of the House is? You know, a lot of what the focus last week during the House Republican retreat was on was taking back the majority in 2022 and focusing on looking forward and focusing on, you know, how we're, how Republicans are going to come together and um, try to take back the majority. And they didn't really want to talk about Trump. They didn't really want to talk about it's, it's really uh, frustrating it's when it's really frustrating when you have to actually fight the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 
What I would say is if she wasn't in charge of the Republican message, if that wasn't that role, I don't think this would be as big of a deal. Uh, I don't know. But it's hard to I, have someone that's controlling the Republican message that's out of step with the vast majority of her caucus. Or Caitlin, if, you, if she just said if if, if she just said when she get because she's going to get asked about it by every reporter all the time anyway. If the answer was I've already said what I have to say on this, uh, but I want to talk about what's going on right now. The majority. That's the issue. It seems like the the members of the caucus are taking even some members who voted for impeachment, right? Correct. Yep. I mean, you don't see Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick going on TV every day bashing the former president, even though he voted, you know, to impeach. I always think it's weird when, I always think it's weird when you have a, a, an offsite meeting and people call it a retreat because the word retreat is, is suggestive of moving backwards and and being defeated as opposed to moving forwards and being on offense. And but in this case, Caitlin, it might actually be appropriate to say that these were retreats. I think Caitlin picked the right word to characterize where the Republican Party is going. It's retreating back in time to a different America that no longer exists. And I appreciate what you said about Congressman Fitzpatrick, Caitlin. You, you and I both have a, a relationship and, and a lot of respect for him. I don't think he's in House leadership, though, is he? I'm pretty sure. He's not, but he's the new co-chair caucus. of the Problem Solvers Caucus. And that's why we know and respect him. But I don't think the Republican caucus is rewarding him for not saying any more about his vote to convict. I got it. It's just, where are we today in a world where the leader in house in of the House of Republicans, daughter of the former Vice President, Darth who, Vader, who Mark might as well have been <laughs> Darth Vader to you, uh, a very a, 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 a serious conservative is being thrown out like i don't know same place we've been i mean yeah well, it is, Repu- it is republican got former republican governor of florida son of former president brother of another former president you know considered exile in the era of trump mitt romney republican nominee john <laughs> mccain republican nominee i mean that that's You're just right, that, this is nothing new but i i want to i want to like just say that i i <laughs> At the risk of sounding like I'm defending what's going on, I kind of get what Caitlin's saying and what some members are objecting to if you're sitting in that position. If you're like, listen, I'm on the team right now and it's not good if we're talking about this all the time. And to Mark's point, Fitzpatrick's not in leadership. I think Caitlin's saying that's why it's a problem, right? Because she has a much bigger microphone and is getting asked about it all the time. I'm not saying I agree with it. And obviously I think the whole, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is insane, which is the fact that uh, she's not willing to lie. The big lie. Yeah. That, I mean, that part, listen, we can debate that to the extent it even needs to be debated, but the fact that members are getting frustrated within her conference, that isn't all that surprising. And when she got sort of a stay of execution the last time, I think that was probably like a, we're going to assume 
we're, we're going to be okay with the fact that you voted your conscience, but now we need to move on from a messaging perspective. We're going to take back the majority. I get that politically, right? Like in my head. You're exactly right, Patrick. The problem, I, I agree, Patrick. I agree, Caitlin. The problem isn't that the Republican caucus wants a spokeswoman who actually supports the Republican caucus. That the caucus is entitled to. And to the extent that that's what's going on, I get it, we get it. The problem is that four months, almost to the day, yesterday it was, four months almost to the day from January 6th and a criminal insurrection attempting to overthrow the government of the United States, we are right back where we were on, on January 5th. There was a brief period when Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and Kevin McCarthy and, and the still elected leadership of the Republican Party took a look at Donald Trump and said, uh, no, thank you. I went as far as I could. I'm, I'm done. Well, everybody's back. Everybody's Except back. Except they're not in power. Well, and Mark, I would say right. yes. on the McConnell point, he will not answer a question about Trump and he's done talking about Trump. I think that's the that's the pivot. That's he is focused on the, the upcoming reelection and, and fighting for Republican policies that make sense and getting people back to work. He doesn't want to talk about Donald Trump. Caitlin, don't you think the Stefanik thing is really interesting, though, because in a way, it's highlighting the whole criticism in the first place, which is that in an era before Donald Trump, someone with a 56% rating from the heritage, they, they would never, ever get a position in Republican leadership. It just wouldn't happen. And on the Democratic side, after Barack Obama left office, if he endorsed someone in the House for conference chair, the party would be like, okay. Like, great. <laughs> thanks for thanks for weighing in. Like, we appreciate your input. Yeah. It would not be determinative the way that like, this is the whole concept of what Trump says goes is being proven in how this is all playing out. It's it's like here's, there's not an exchange of ideas. It is Donald Trump is completely in charge. One hundred percent. Elise Stefanik is not getting this role because she supports Donald Trump. She's getting this role. No, in my because view, he supports on, her. That's why she's getting it. No, she fought very hard. She is part of the reason that we have one of the largest female freshman classes in the house. She and her organizations fundraise millions of dollar, dollars for a broad, wide swath of different Republican women from the moderates like Nancy Mace to some of the more conservative members. She's the reason that we've got such a diverse freshman class. And in my view, I know the media wants to say she's getting this role and they're kicking Cheney out because she's, you know, Donald Trump likes Stefanik and likes that she stood up for him. I completely disagree. I know that's the narrative that's out there, but I, you know, it's, she did a lot of work to secure, you know, well, several. She had no profile until she defeated Donald, until she worked against impeachment. I, I am so proud and happy that Caitlin's our colleague because she is really, really good at making the best possible case for her side. But that ain't what's happening, and we know it. Okay, Cheney is getting kicked out because of Trump. And Stefanik may have done other things, but the core credential she has was her vigorous and 
and ultimately uh, in the House unsuccessful and the Senate successful defense of Donald Trump. And and I think what Patrick said is what I was trying to say uh, um, a minute ago. He's his hold on the Republican Party, if anything, is stronger. Yeah. So on January 5th. So so, Mark, if you're let's pretend you're Nancy Pelosi for a minute. I can do that. You have long hair. So does she. Just for a minute. How how do you how are you thinking about this? Nancy Pelosi, I believe, knew the day she took the speaker's gavel in February of uh, I'm sorry, January of 2019, that there was going to be no bipartisanship. And there has been none. And the fact that she now doesn't have Liz Cheney to work with across the aisle, I don't think means beans to Nancy Pelosi. She wasn't working with her right before. Exactly. Exactly. It it I as Speaker of the House, I see this simply as a confirmation of the bad faith rhetoric on the Republicans' part about bipartisanship. No intention to work together. Patrick, if you're Joe Biden, how are you thinking about this? Well there's a promotion for Patrick. Yeah, really. (laughs) Let me let me put on my Irish Catholic kind of, you know, that's why I did it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, I think. Listen, I think it's uh, I think you could pull off the aviators. Well, Patrick, that's why. (laughs) Look in the positive column. It's never bad when you're. Uh, adversaries look sort of in disarray, right? I think like that's, I I think this is making Republican leadership in the House look incompetent and, and, and beholden to Trump. And I don't think that's a bad thing for his political standing with the types of voters that he won over in 2020 that are important for his political survival. And that's a very turbulent time. On the other hand, it it is reinforcing Trump as the leader of the Republican Party. I think he would like to to just move on, and I think that that presents some governing problems for him. I, the other thing I would add, just from a I guess White House and House leadership perspective, to your uh, question on Pelosi, if you look at in the House the stability of the Democratic leadership versus. And I'm not just talking about Liz Cheney. Look to Boehner, to Paul Ryan. To, I mean, there has been so much like backstabbing and jumping over each other in House Republican leadership. It's just nuts. Um, I just find that really interesting with the fact that you've had the same folks at the top in the Democratic leadership through two or three majority changes now. It's just a stunning contrast. And I think that... I, I It is, but I guess I think... You have to look at this in terms of policy and politics and why then Speaker Pelosi is every single Democrat we talk to convinced that they're going to lose the House in 18 months. I think that's just because the majority is so tight, right? History. Yeah. And yeah, in history. history, I think it's just sort of being resigned to like 
we we underperformed the last time. It's going to be hard to hold it in a midterm. I was but asking at the end of the speaker, day, I, I was asking Speaker Pelosi. Oh, that's right. Biden. I'm Joe Biden. That's no, continue. Yeah, continue. I forgot who I was. Mr. That's Mr. very Mr. Joe Biden, by the way. To <laughs> kind of completely forget what I was supposed to be saying. Well, uh, I was going to call you Mr. President Patrick until I did that one. So you're, you're now demoted back to Patrick. Okay. But I, I think it's history. It, the odds are against us. Clearly, precedent suggests that a four-vote majority isn't going to hold up in a midterm election. But nobody's conceding. Don't don't mistake a an awareness of history and precedent for a concession and a surrender. And there's a lot of time. It, it has a lot to do with what Patrick, with, with what the real Joe Biden gets <laughs> between now and November 2022. And for the real Joe Biden, for for our pretend Joe Biden, who would you who would you rather face in? Let's say he's running again. Who would you rather face in four years, Trump or the field? And doesn't this all just kind of solidify Trump? Yeah, I mean, I, I think conventional wisdom would say the field. The only hesitancy I have on that is that Trump always seems to overperform in some way. And that I think is, I, I think if you take COVID out of the picture on the last election, like I have no idea what would have happened in 2020. And so, I think I think the Biden team is smart enough. I, I don't think they underest. I think they'd like Trump to just go away and, you know, never. Uh, Hell yes. And I, I don't think they underestimate his ability to, to just kind of. They, they want to face the field. Nobody wants to face Trump. Exactly. Right. Wants to right. face Trump exactly. You got to listen to me, though. I'm going to gavel you down as the speaker here. If you don't listen to me. Two reasons. Nobody wants to face Trump because Trump got elected president once right. and almost got reelected. And that is insane and absurd. And nobody wants to find out what would happen the third time. And nobody wants to lose to Donald Trump. That's so all true. 100 times out of 100, Joe Biden will take the field in your question. Yeah. And, and Caitlin, if you are Nikki Haley or another candidate thinking about running for the Republican nomination in 2024, how are you looking at this? At, at the Cheney situation? Yeah, just at the continued focus on Trumpism. Well, again, I think I've made my points. I don't think this is a continued focus on Trumpism. I think that, you know, you cannot be the House GOP conference chair if you're a distraction in the media. The leadership of the House Republican Party, Leader McCarthy, is singularly focused on taking back the majority in 2022. And I, I love Liz Cheney. I was very impressed with the way she handled things after January 6th. I support her vote. I support what she came out and said after the fact. But... You can't serve as as the GOP conference chair who's in charge of the House Republican message if you're off message in the media when the rest of the party is focused on 2022. And if I was Nikki Haley, I would agree with that. 
I was Nikki Haley, though, I would not have said that if Trump runs in 2024, I'm not going to run. I think that's misguided, and I wish she wouldn't have said that. Well, she doesn't mean it, but she shouldn't have said it. Nobody that means disappointed it. disappointed me. I, I'm a Nikki Haley fan. And that Wait, you don't think she means it? I do. What, why would anyone... I, I mean... If he if he do, if he did decide to run, I think a lot of people are going to say, "Why the heck am I going to try and put myself through this in a primary?" Like, I mean, yeah, who's going to beat him? I just don't take seriously politicians' statements that they're not going to be. A yeah, candidate. yeah, that's true. I get that. Yeah, because everybody who's ever been elected has said they're not running. It does have like an air of honesty in the Trump primary scenario like if someone you ask someone are you gonna run against trump in a primary like no i'm not insane like why would i do that if they're running they're running for veep right i mean i'd put her on the ticket if i were him which which boy as we learned uh on january 6th isn't that an awesome job being donald trump's vice president i guess (laughs) signing uh, up to do that it's special it's just the second time around it's just so warped that we're living in a world we're, where we're not in a good place, Howard. To answer your pending question of where are we, we're not in a good place. It's just the I'll tell you the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around is the fact that George W. Bush and Dick Cheney are now and and Mitt Romney, like you were saying before, are now deemed moderate. Rhinos. Rhinos. And all these... A lot of people always thought Romney was a rhino, just to be clear. Do you remember that primary? But... Yeah, he was the governor of Massachusetts. But... Pat Toomey, Caitlin. Pat Pat Toomey. That's a a good... Pat Toomey a rhino, please. And... I wouldn't consider him a rhino. I mean, Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake. It's not even... This isn't about policy, though. And that's actually the other point yeah, here. That's a good it's not about policy. And what's missing, where the Republicans are really, I, I guess, Caitlin, this goes to your point. When a party's not in power or inside a government agency where you have a multi member kind of board and it's bipartisan and the president's party's in power or in Congress, whoever's not in control of the chamber, what they do, they can say boo to everything because they just tear down the other guys because they know they're going to lose. And so it's why things flip because you can poke holes all day long and throw stones all day long when you know your vote doesn't really count. Even if you don't believe the things you're saying, you can say them. And I guess to your point, Caitlin, there's no counterpoint right now. Well, on, it's it's not on policy. And Caitlin, I, just, I, I disagree. There are a lot of counterpoints on policy. I'm not saying that there aren't different points of view, but nobody's hearing them because well, the Republicans are too busy eating the, up themselves. But is it even, Caitlin, about a political party, aren't we seeing, seriously, aren't we seeing a cult of personality? And cults of personality throughout history have never ended well. This one, I hope, will not end well either, but it isn't about, and and 
internecine war within a political party competing over ideology or even over power. It's about one man. You're, you're in if you're for him, you're out if you're not. I, I think if you're, obviously taxes and tax increases are on our clients' minds these days. It's, uh, you know, we've got potentially huge, we've got huge proposed spikes in capital gains taxes and income taxes and corporate taxes. And if I'm somebody that cares about that, by the way, I am, um, <laughs> I, yeah, so are you, Mark, so are lots of people. I was okay till the capital gains thing. That, right. that, that it, kind of pissed me off. <laughs> it's not happening. But not happening at the level that it's been proposed, I should say. Right. But 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 there's no there's no counterpoint out there right now because the R's have no ability to message anything other than cutting off the head of one of their leaders. I feel like there's a, there's a bit of us being in the Beltway and reading the Beltway and reading the headlines about the war in the Republican Party every day, um, but that's not what the rest of America is seeing. That, that's not what the people of Palm Beach are telling you, Caitlin. That's not what the people of Florida are telling me. Patrick, how, you were in Naples this past week. What were you hearing from folks? Were they fixated on uh, you know Liz Cheney's in the GOP conference leadership fight in the House? Or were they focused on finding employers to actually work at their restaurant or at their club or at their store because people aren't can't go back to work because they're making more money on unemployment? Yeah. To the degree like uber wealthy ba retired baby boomers in Naples are like a good... <laughs> are like a good subset of what is going on in the country. I, I heard a lot of, of stuff like that from, you know, very nice people in Lily Pulitzer dresses and, you know, whatever else. It was, it's just like, I mean, that is as crazy a world to me as uh, the Beltway is. Caitlin, you texted me something this week and you were totally right on. You said, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but like Florida is the epicenter of kind of Republican politics. Florida's the new uh, political center of the universe. Howard's the point, Party. or to Mark's point rather, about it being a cult of personality. Why is that? It's because Trump lives down there now and DeSantis, who is like his mini me is the governor. So it's, it's, that is part of the cult of personality. All these members of Congress and senators fly down to Southern Florida to like hobnob in the Trump celebrity weirdo world down there. Like it's, it's just, it's, it has nothing to do with policy and has everything to do with just like being a part of his weird orbit. And I, I, I stay, just, I, think I stay I, in Bethesda and hang out <laughs> at my club with Barack Obama. <laughs> We know how those conversations well, go. We're a little, what, up here in Brooklyn, we're a little disappointed that Obama didn't push harder on, on some things. So it, it gets more progressive. Are you answering for that this week while you're there? Are you? But, but Mar-a-Lago is a policy-free zone. People are not going down there to talk to Trump about what the Republican view on right. is. That's the point. It's well, and I think reality television. And I completely agree with you, Caitlin, not that I've spent that much time with Republicans outside the Beltway in the pandemic, 
But but they're not focused. No, but people outside the Beltway on any side of the aisle are not focused on the Liz Cheney fight. But but the reason people outside the Beltway don't believe there's a civil war in the Republican Party is because Trump owns it, and they're okay with that. Trump owns the Republican Party because he has supporters. Okay, wait. Segwaying here for a moment. Yeah. When I was having conversations with these members last weekend, one of the things I like to ask, you know, is is what are your constituents? What are you hearing from your constituents? What is the number one issue that you're hearing back home that they're calling your office about? You know what it is? It's jobs, which I think is a good segue to talk about those abysmal job numbers we saw this morning. You know, Biden, it was the highlight of, of Biden's um, joint session to Congress speech, jobs, 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 jobs. People cannot find workers to fill these jobs in their districts. It's a, it's a major problem. I think the White House was predicting a million jobs in job growth today. And the news comes out, we've got a gain of 266,000. Even Speaker Pelosi is saying she was disappointed with these was numbers. Was the White House saying a million? Or I, I thought, I thought some of the numbers. job prognosticators predicted a million. I don't know if the White House- And, and I think the White House was echoing that expectation as well. Mark, so that's that's what they're hearing from their constituents, not Liz Cheney, not Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago, not civil war in the Republican Party. It's jobs. Well, maybe we need a jobs bill, Caitlin. Maybe we need an infrastructure bill to put people back to work. Maybe we need. I would love know, infrastructure with a capital I, roads, bridges, waterways, natural resources. I'm you're so, 100% with you, Mark. You're so 19th century. Come on. Mark, don't you love Mark? Don't the grid. Mark, don't you love the Democratic cleanup crew getting blamed like four or five months in every time the whole world gets flipped on its head, and then you know it's like we're we're barely even out of the gate. I'm remember this is exactly like 2009. John Boehner coming out and doing those press conferences every time employment unemployment ticked up. Where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? it's well, it's a bad well, situation. The economy, trillions into the, the U.S. economy. You would think we would have some pretty strong job numbers. But wait, Listen, but wait I, there's 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 something funky going on here because, and Caitlin, you hit on it. it it's not that there aren't jobs available; it's that you can't fill them. Because and the U.S. That's Chamber a, of Commerce just today came out and said we do not support extended unemployment. People are getting an additional three hundred dollars a week to stay home. We're coming out of the pandemic. People are vaccinated. I'm hearing anecdotal stories around here in Florida where they're saying in Florida you have to go in for a job interview to collect unemployment. People will come in for their. This is anecdotal, obviously, but they'll come in for their interview, check the box, they'll get offered a job, and they'll say, "No, I'm making I'm making more on unemployment right now. Why would I give that up?" That we are hearing this from clients. We have a lot of clients who are employing hourly wage kind of frontline workers. And we are hearing this from our clients that they can't fill jobs. It's not that they don't have them. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, and we also had our first increase in unemployment since April of 2020. Sorry, Mark, I took some notes today. Um, from 6% unemployment to 6.1% unemployment. Caitlin, it's don't bother Mark with the facts. It's not a good day for jobs. Clearly, yeah, what, pumping trillions into the economy didn't work. 
You know what Mark Twain said about statistics, right? There's three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. So I, I can't be bothered with those. But Howard, aren't you applauding the disappointing job numbers as an indicator that we don't have to worry about inflation? Right. You know, all of this, it, this is complicated. No, because it's complicated. <laughs> but me. Maybe you guys have it all figured out. This is complicated. This happens every, this is exactly, no. I mean, it just, it feels like this is what, it, of, of course, uh, we just did a massive COVID relief package. There, There's going to need to be some time for that to have been felt. And it's a very unstable economy. But, you know, the, the talk, if, if unemployment had ticked down, Republicans would be saying, Things if things are going in the right direction, then why do we need to do this massive infrastructure bill or what? I mean, this is what happens when you're in the minority. You just whatever happens. That's you what respond. I was saying earlier. Yeah. You just like it doesn't matter what happens. You just are saying that's bad and we shouldn't. <laughs> it's It I, doesn't matter. I think it is complicated, Mark. And we really have to figure out what we were. We really have to scratch the surface of all this. I don't think. The media doesn't digest anything particularly well, but this is complex economic stuff. And I think we really have to scratch the surface of everything that's going on from an economic point of view to understand it. I don't think my my instinct is you don't that think we should let Kevin McCarthy do that. I feel like he, you know, he can <laughs> explain all of it to all of us. <laughs> I think that I no, I think it really has to be sorted through and um, we can't, we shouldn't make a snap judgment here because I think that we're just in a, we're just in such a dysfunctional place. No, I think, okay, and I don't, I don't mean politically, I mean like societally, economically, so that, yeah. like, I just think we're, 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 we're in a weird place. Like we're in, we're well, we a tweener are, right now. So, well, when you layer a once-in-a-century global pandemic on top of the mess we were in when the pandemic arrived, it, it's going to take some time to sort it all out. Well, just separate aside the politics. It's just the economic fallout from the pandemic. Right. And I don't know that... People are kind of coming back, but they're not really coming back. It, it's a confusing time, and I can't I can't let the opportunity go though. Uh, the, all those restaurant tours of yours, Caitlin, I assume they're applying for grants from the restaurant the revitalization fund. A lot of a lot. Yep. Yeah. Well, so that. Was that done in the Trump administration? I can't remember. Who that's that? That, that was actually included in the last bill. It started, there was great bipartisan support for including it in the first two packages. It was a very, but you're absolutely right. It but was Joe Biden that signed that program guys, into law. Yeah, the money your guys are getting came from Patrick, from President Biden. I Mark, Mark, I hadn't I mean, thought about your point on, the inf on inflation, though, because the, before the jobs numbers... Yeah. The last week, everything you're reading, you've got Warren Buffett, Sam Zell, all these guys calling out what they're seeing in the market. Oh. I, I was kind of. Patrick, you have Howard Schweitzer when it's a million jobs report saying no. inflation, inflation, inflation. No, I'm still saying that. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, 
because the there are trillions of dollars sloshing around in the system. And I the think the jobs welcomed the jobs report and went up. I didn't see the close. It that's, went up a point or so because it eased inflation fears. This is just complicated is, is all I'm saying. And, yeah, and I, I don't think that I think we're too in the middle of it to be able to to say what it means. I think it's and some of this, I think the jobs report in some ways could actually be the flip side of of the coin. Like it's it's scary when guys like Warren Buffett and I, I Sam Zell and a couple others are saying this is reminding them of the 1970s that uh, reading that for whatever anecdotally it was worth, it kind of, it kind of gave me like goosebumps. Like, Oh man, this is that, is that because you and Caitlin weren't alive then? <laughs> right. I don't want to get, I, I, I would, as much as I would love to know what Mark Alderman was like in the 1970s, I don't want to, I don't well, want to live it firsthand. It began, the seventies began one way and ended another. Let's, let's, let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. Uh, a spirited discussion as always, guys. This was fun. Caitlin, Patrick, and Mark, we will be back next week and look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.